in the first grade, I wanted to be the first out to recess because what first grader doesn't? So I was running. I ate my lunch so fast, running across the blacktop towards the playground as one does because I wanted to be the first on the monkey bars and unfortunately there were a lot of tetherball poles in the way at the time and as I was running I was so close to the playground and I was turning around to make sure nobody was following me I turned then back around straight into a tetherball pole full speed run right into it fall down I, I don't know what happened next quite in those next moments but then next thing I know I'm up I'm walking into the office because my head hurts and the lady in the office was like this is not good and I was like oh no so so I go home I woke up I woke up the next morning two black eyes it was very bad two 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 very large black eyes and I was like mm -hmm. it, it was bad it was not good my parents didn't take me to the hospital they probably should have I probably had a concussion but I was very nervous to go to school the next day because I didn't want to get made fun of. My mom was positive that I was going to be just fine. And I I don't know. My mom was so confident. I've literally never been to school. Uh-oh. They think the kids are not going to get made fun of. No, they think the world is perfect and that nobody's going to hurt their child. Guess what? They were wrong. So I, I go to school and ki kids kept coming up to me and they're like, what's wrong with your eyes? And I was like, Nothing. They eventually got me to move my hand, and they called me Raccoon Girl for the rest of my time in elementary school. That's a lot of years. I was in first grade. Above the ocean and sky and shattered sunsets, couple moments that I can't forget. It's so well spent when I am reflecting. Perspective shifts and change. Get out my own way. Welcome to the Mosaic Stories That Unite Us. I'm Olivia Skrilov, and this week we are talking about all the things that make you nervous. I thought being nervous would be a great thing to talk about because, well, I can't think of a more nervous demographic than students, but because I'm so nervous. I've never hosted a story podcast before, and not to be vulnerable, but I kind of feel like I'm going to throw up which is so embarrassing because I can't even see anyone. Like, I'm just sitting in a studio by myself. Anyway. <laughs> Words cut your lips to say it. I finally found my place in a mosaic. Should I bring the mic like no, this? No, it catches you wherever you are. Our next story comes from Lucas Stevens. Do you know Avatar The Last Airbender? Of so it's like my favorite. Hi, my name is Lucas <laughs> Stevens, and... I'm the current USU student body president. Here's Lucas on the nerves that come with being student body president. Yeah, so I've been nervous a lot, and I seriously get nervous around uh, every dead week and every finals week of the semester. I've realized about myself that I'm like kind of a worrier. I'm like a pl <laughs> I'm like a planner and a worrier, so I think a lot about what's coming, whether it's like planning my day or the weekend or planning out the next few years of life. And, and then I also get really stressed about those plans. And, and I think it's kind of like a procrastination technique of mine where I just like over plan and then <laughs> to put off actually executing those plans. But um, 
No, I, I mean, I was, I get nervous every time I ask out a girl and that's a, that's a very real thing, <laughs> but it's uh, been a while since, um, I've gotten nervous for that reason. So, uh, what's up Utah state? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, uh, honestly get a lot of like imposter syndrome around a lot of the responsibilities that I have as student body president. So like one of my assignments is to sit on the board of trustees with like David Huntsman and Casey Maloof and um, Wayne Niederhauser and like former Utah Senate president, Dave Peterson, president of um, OC Tanner, like just kind of these, you know, like titans of industry. And then I'm supposed to comment <laughs> in those meetings and, you know, engage with the committee. So I, I guess, uh, you know, I get nervous for a lot of things like that where I just definitely feel like I, uh, you know, don't belong in the room. But at the same time, um, I just think through that, you know, I had earned, I have earned my spot and, and it's really not about me either. It's about students. So yeah, those are a few times that I've been nervous. Okay. So oh, I get to hold yeah, the microphone. That's like more official. <laughs> Our next stories come from my friends Patricia and Rylan. <laughs> I get nervous anytime I have to speak into the microphone. <laughs> so um, besides right now, um, actually dating Patricia. <laughs> it was like very different for me from the whole because I grew up in Utah so this whole Utah culture Utah girl type was what I had always dated and then this girl from you know the east coast all of a sudden pops up got these other viewpoints and everything it was way different but totally worth it (laughs) for me it's anytime people look at me and automatically assume that because I look Hispanic I don't know how to speak English. That's always a tough one. I've had people ask me, where did you learn your English? Or you speak such good English. And if not that, then they're always surprised that I can speak English and I can talk back to them and and talk about something. And it's always something like at the grocery store or at school or anywhere you go. And it kind of hits me a little bit hard because I feel like you know, I'm a U.S. citizen. I know how to communicate. I learned my English just like everyone else in school, in elementary, middle school, high school. And so I feel like that definitely grinds my gears. Needed to speak with a professor about getting some feedback on an exam. And they are a philosophy professor and, and they're very like very intelligent. They've kind of got that intimidating, smart person kind of persona. And so it was hard to like be vulnerable and say like, hey, you know, what what can I do to improve when they're like, you know, the strong eye contact and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I get nervous every time when I have to present something <laughs> in front of people. I feel like there's lots of things that make us nervous as students. Interviews or presentations. Just last week I gave a presentation to my class it was for my my capstone class um so like everybody already knew the material i was presenting on in the class so that made me nervous our next story comes from bailey rigby 
I'm a junior here at Utah State. I'm studying art and design with an emphasis in photography. Um, I'm also the photography manager at the Utah Statesman. Bailey is awesome, and I can talk to her about anything, but especially High School Musical. She is an expert. Here's Bailey with a time that she was nervous. I get super nervous when, like, I have to talk in front of a huge group of people. Um, I guess, like, the most recent event was, like, a couple weeks ago. It was for one of my film studies class. One of my... It's my only film studies class. Um, and I had to present on um, this movie we had watched. It's a bad cinema class, so, like, these are, like, bad movies. And I was having such a struggle because when I watch movies, I don't think... I'm not, like analyzing it or like you know being critical like I'm just watching it and either I enjoy watching it or I don't enjoy watching it and it was like a 1960s biker movie so obviously I wasn't that interested in it um so I had to like dive into the themes of it and I really didn't know if I was right or wrong because like my film studies professor could say anything about a movie and I'd believe him um so I was really nervous I was gonna say the wrong thing so yeah, I was like, I felt like I was going to throw up the whole day, but I went up there and I started talking. The, I thought I was going to be presenting in front of like a, a huge lecture hall because our class is in a huge lecture hall, but there was like 20 people there. So it really wasn't that bad. Um, and so then, I don't know, like I was nervous. So I, I wanted to like, you know, just keep talking because sometimes that helps. But then I started talking about High School Musical in an event we're supposed to be talking about a 1960s biker movie. And I started talking about High School Musical. It did help my nerves, but I, yeah, that was probably like the most recent time I was super nervous. So, can you tell me about the transition from biker movie to High School Musical? Um. So yeah, basically, I was just talking about the like basis of the film and like what I thought about it. So I was like, I'm not really into biker movies. Um, you know, obviously this movie isn't perfect, and no movie's perfect except for High School Musical because. Yeah. And blah 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 blah, no, which yeah, the all three movies are brilliant. So yeah, yeah. yeah. The Can you Ortega did not direct Wild Angels from 1966. So nervous, 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 nervous. Probably one of the most nerve-wracking thing experiences of my life. <laughs> nervous, nervous, nervous. That got me nervous. It is absolutely terrifying. Way nervous. Big nerves. Time I was nervous was just yesterday. I got back from spring break and I opened up Canvas and I have a big paper due like tomorrow that I haven't even looked started or anything like that. Worth like 25% of my grade, so that got me nervous. Kind of ruined my week. Yeah, <laughs> but Last week I had a job interview um, and I was terrified. I just did a whole bunch of interviews for jobs for the summer and I was super nervous for those, but it ended up going well and I got the job, so it was great. Thank you. It was like a full day interview, and I think I was a little bit nervous. So basically what I do is I go out to this bunch of sites that have already been documented, but the first time when you don't know the area, and your boss hands you the keys to the Jeep and says, all right, don't die, that was probably one of the most nerve-wracking thing experiences of my life. <laughs> I don't know, I don't really get nervous that often, because I'm kind of with the mindset of like, whatever happens, happens. You can't really change anything. But I don't know. I mostly get nervous like in social situations. Like if I have to talk about my feelings or if like I have to talk to a girl about the way I feel, big nerves. Rough. It gets bad. It's awkward. This is kind of the equivalent of this. How are you feeling right now? Right now? I mean, this is normal because I don't feel like, I don't know. I'm just doing this for a donut. Can you start by introducing yourself? 
first and last name? Uh, yeah, my name is Tim Johnson. And what are you studying? Uh, I'm studying social work. Tim is such a natural-born storyteller, but his story this episode contains some mature content. If you are sensitive to mentions of death or blood, this may not be the story for you. But don't worry, there's a lot more stories after Tim's, so skip forward about five minutes to hear the rest. Here's my friend Tim on a time that he was nervous. My, my son, um, when he was being born, I was really nervous about being a bad dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I don't know if everyone goes through that, but I just kept thinking, oh man, my language or this or that, you know, and am I going to screw him up? Like, what kind of issues am I going to give him? Or how do I avoid that? And all these things were going through my head. And it was so nerve wracking. And it is still, you know. Uh, But I think once I finally really got to interact with him and hold him and, and, you know, pat his back while he was crying and suck the snot out of his nose the first time he got really sick. And, you know, a lot of those nerves did start to fade away. I mean, it comes and goes, but but that was really nerve wracking just being in the delivery room and just like, Oh my gosh, am I really up for this? Like, can I do this? It's a big responsibility to be a father and a mother or just a parent, whatever you want to call it. I know a lot of people have the story of like, I first held my son or daughter or whoever. Mm -hmm. And like, I just, like I knew everything was going to be okay. How long did it take you to start to realize that? Well, Okay, I'm about to share something that is a little dark, but it's okay. okay, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, It's been a while now, and it's something that I probably should talk about more Mm -hmm. often. But actually, my son, who is currently alive, my only son, Mm -hmm. it was my second son. Mm -hmm. I actually had a a boy before Mm -hmm. my uh, little boy, Emil, and uh, his name, he was Eli. That was my first son, and he died. Um. Basically, we went to the hospital expecting to deliver our kid super stoked. I had his car seat in the, you know, back, and we were just like, oh, dude, that's crazy. We're finally having our kid, you know, and we go there, and uh, there wasn't a heartbeat. I mean, he was full term, and so that was devastating. So I think because of that, when I was going into the second one, uh, almost the same exact thing happened. So... It was an abruption the first time. Uh, the doctors didn't really know why it happened, and it had nothing to do with like a car accident, which is a lot of times what happens with an, a cerebral abruption. A lot of times it's like a car accident or a fall or something because they separate from like the wall, and it cuts off their air supply. Well, that's what happened to Eli. Fast forward, and she's pregnant. My ex-wife was pregnant again with my son, and uh, we got woken up at about 3 a.m. Our dog woke us up. Because our dog was licking my ex-wife because she was bleeding. The same thing that happened to our previous boy was happening. Our boy that is alive right now was abrupting. But the dog woke us up. And so we were like, oh, and we made it to the hospital in time. They got her in for an emergency delivery. And the doctors even told us he might die. So the whole entire time, I was sitting in there just on the edge of my seat like feeling sick to my stomach, just remembering all the emotions from last time and not wanting to go through that again. Um, And it's been difficult to deal with that first event 
I mean, it's been years now, but I mean, still, I think about it to this day, or I look at his ashes, I have the urn, you know, and I, it just comes right back. It's a, it's a crazy experience, and uh, so I'm just really glad and really gl- grateful for our, our dog, Benji, was the name of that dog. Benji saved my son Emil's life. It's kind of weird to think about, but had had Benji not woken us up that morning, he would have died for sure. That's, a, that's like a miracle. It is. It's insane. Yeah. It's wild. Our last story today comes from Clara Alder. Clara is our current USU president, but this interview takes place just a few days before her electoral win. Here's Clara with the nerves that come with being student body president. My name is Clara, and I just was recently elected student body president at Utah State, and I am ecstatic. Just so, I feel so fortunate. I feel so humbled. I feel so ready and excited for this, but of course, I feel nervous. So, the election process, I will say it's had lots of nerves. And as well, excitement. I mean, kind of, I feel like the theme of the story is that there's nerves and excitement in every stitch of our stories. And I just think back on the election process and there were some times where I, like my nerves were definitely there and I had to decide if I was going to let those nerves overtake me and kind of like give up, give up because Anyone who knows who's run for student body president knows it's like the most taxing thing physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, like every element can just be drained out of you. Like a week ago today, we went and put up yard signs and signs on campus. And I remember seeing the other people who are running for, you know, positions. I remember seeing their yard signs and being like, oh my gosh, like is mine enough? Is is what I'm doing, like, is is this worth it? Um, and I was really nervous about that, but I had to make the decision of, no, like, I've put in a lot of work. I need to be proud of what I've done, and I and I can be proud of what other people have done too, but it, it should not take away from how I feel about myself and my team and how we've worked. Um, another thing, like, throughout the week, throughout the election week, uh, there were a lot of times where I got nervous about the culture on campus. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will say nice things about you. A lot of people will say really mean things about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like other people who ran for this position, like there were things that people had said and I had the choice where I was like, should I let that make me want to give up or should I let that give me fuel to keep going? And ultimately, like I had to take a second where I was like, you know what, like I acknowledge the culture of how some people treat each other during this week. I acknowledge it and I'm ready to keep moving past it. And then I know that you kind of asked about how moving forward, what my feelings are. And I kind of view the elections process, my hard work that I had, like I I worked every single day for the last year. And I think you can argue that I've been working longer than that just on how I've tried to apply myself here and how I've tried to like interact with people and how I've tried to really like empower others. But um, elections is the practice and serving in this position is the game. Mm-hmm. My feelings are the same as when I was putting up yard signs and seeing everyone else's yard signs and being excited and nervous. And I think moving forward, I, I'm choosing to be excited. Of course, I'm nervous. Like, of course, I've worked really hard and I don't want to let people down, but I, I'm i choosing to 
stay excited and stay like driven. And I know, I know how to fail. And I think that's something that people are really scared of is failing. And I feel like I failed a lot in college. And every time I failed, it's helped me pick myself up and take another step forward. And so as I look into serving as president, you know, I'm, I'm totally nervous to serve on the board of trustees. I am nervous to work through issues between officers and I'm nervous to let people down. But I know that like I've worked really hard to get here and the amount of work that I've put in will only help me in this position. So again, I'm just trying to choose to be excited, acknowledge the nerves, but like be excited for this position. To close out this episode, I wanted to talk about a conversation I had recently. Being the host of a podcast is so fun and so terrifying. A few days ago, I was kind of having this panic attack. Like, I called my best friend Mark and I just went off about all of the things I can't do. I feel like I'm not very good at leading a team. I feel like I'm nervous to hear my own voice and to record it because I don't like the sound of my own voice. I remember telling him that I felt like I was experiencing this really deep imposter syndrome where I just knew that I was going to put my heart and soul into a podcast and um, I was scared that it wouldn't be enough and that people wouldn't listen and that I would waste time and money and effort in something that I cared about. And so I was telling Mark how I felt and I just, I told him that I didn't think that I could do this, but that I really wanted to. I think that his perspective is a lot better than mine. So here's my friend Mark on a time that I was nervous. Like, so first of all, like up until this point, you had been calling me pretty frequently since we talk very often. And you've been giving me like incremental updates about your progress with um, the podcast. So I've been there like when you first called in and like, you're like, hey, I have this idea. You told me that you wanted to, you know, start this storytelling podcast. Mm-hmm. I was really on board with it. I thought it sounded really cool. Um, and you'd been updating me as you went along. And it seemed like things were moving really quickly. But you were like keeping up, like keeping pace very, very well. But I started wondering, I was like, is there something? Because, you know, I'm familiar with the process in general of like producing something, of, mm-hmm. of having an idea and carrying it to fruition. And I was kind of like, okay, am I missing something? Like, is there something that she's maybe not telling me about? Because it just seems like it's moving on very, very quickly. And so when you called in, I was like, okay, this has been kind of a moment that I thought would happen. And that like, you know, like you called me and I was like, and I said, okay, you know, this is like something that I've been anticipating happening. So I'm really interested to hear, you know, what, what the challenge is, where things are going. And you were kind of like, you know, I... I shouldn't be, you know, as much in the driver's seat. Like, there's lots that I don't know. You know, like, you had this really cool idea to make a podcast, but now it's very, like, professional. Like, they want you to be making, like, very important decisions for this, the way this project goes. And now there's, like, you know, resources and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I remember saying, like, 
that I was, like I said, it felt like if you didn't go through this experience of being genuinely nervous that you would have, that there's something would have been missing. It would have signified to me that something was off. And I, I told you as much in that saying that if you didn't feel nervous, I wouldn't think that you truly understood what was happening because there were lots of expectations and this was something that was really important to you. And I knew that, you know, you wanted this to be done right. And if you were just totally, you know, very nonchalant, blasé about how it would be carried out, I'd be nervous that it would be turned out in a way that you didn't want. I mean, and I, of course, I'd also like to hear what you remember me saying, but, you know, that it, this was a good sign that you were that you were aware enough to know to be nervous, to know that things could not go right and that you had to, you know, kind of step up. And you respond. I mean, the thing is, like, I always trusted you. Like, I always know that you're, like I say, a very smart and driven individual and you can get these things done. Thank you. But, <laughs> but you know, that and part of that is feeling the responsibility and the weight of the position that you were in. It's a common refrain for people to say, you know, that, you know, you need to get out of your comfort zone and do things that make you uncomfortable. But it's like that for a reason, because if you don't do that, then you know that you're not, if because that means nothing's important to you, right? Like, I know that the things that I care about most make me the most nervous. If there's something that I've invested a lot of myself into, then that'll make me nervous that I won't be able to perform correctly and won't be able to execute like the way that I want. And But I know on the other end that it makes it so much more worthwhile when I've overcome it. And that's the thing is mm-hmm. like, if being nervous was the end-all be-all of everything, then you'd never do anything. But it's the moment when the nervousness breaks, you know, like a fever breaks, and you get the reward of knowing that you've done something right and that you took the correct amount of care to get something done, that it makes it all worth it. Like you remember why it was worth being nervous and you remember why you got yourself in, the, in that position in the first place because you've reached a new level and you've accomplished something and done something really good, you know? The Mosaic Stories That Unite Us is part of the Aggie Radio Podcast Network. Our show is created and hosted by Olivia Skriloff, with sound production and story development by Jacob Andreasen, Kyle Olson, and Jamie Perry. All music this hour is by Rudy C. Williams. Special thanks to Rudy for our intro and outro music, to the Aggie Radio Podcast Network, and to Mark for taking all of my nervous calls. Thank you. Okay, that's it. Whoa, no way. Yeah, well, did you have any questions for me? Anything to add? No, I felt like I was, like, missing something. I felt like I said something else that I couldn't remember. Mm. Um, but, man, I was just, I was so nervous for this interview. I couldn't even, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't even, couldn't even communicate. I was, I was sweating so hard I could barely hold my phone. Did you, like, pee like yourself at all? My Do I what? Did you, like, pee yourself or? Oh, so bad. Oh, I'm, my so, gosh. I'm desperately dehydrated. They have me on a night. <laughs> Get out of my way.